The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Overtime Open Line is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed, Reed Wilkins, Wilkins on, on Oilers, Oilers Radio. Radio. 630 Chad. Left circle, Nugent Hopkins battling in front. McDavid to Clefbaum. One-timer, Latestu scores! Mark Latestu wins the game for Edmonton. 2-1 to one in Northeastern Alberta, that is Mark Letestu's hometown of Elk Point. He rips home his third career overtime winner, second as a member of the Edmonton Oilers, and they tough it out and play much better. A 2-1 victory in Chicago to snap a four-game losing streak. They get up to 2-4 and four on the season. There was a lot of concern about the penalty killing. It was a perfect 5-for-5 five five tonight, including a 56-second two-man disadvantage in the second period. Cam Talbot under fire. He responds big time. 30 saves, a lot of big ones, and the Oilers get the victory to start their three-game road trip. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is 9.39 along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. Connor McDavid with a couple of assists. Patrick Maroon gets his first goal of the season and makes a winner of Doug in our first goal of the game contest, so he's going to get his name in the grand prize draw, so that's pretty cool. 780-496-0063 is how you can reach us tonight but first of all, Rob, I mean, look, the Oilers looked okay for five minutes, and then, uh, you know, uh, Talbot shoots the puck over the glass. They kill off the penalty, but Kane scores right after on a, uh, you know, a goal that bounces in off Talbot's skate, and then there was a little bit of worry, but the Oilers were able to stay patient, stay composed tonight. The big reason they were able to stay composed was Talbot made a big save. You know, they gave up the, the bad goal from behind the net, and within a, a minute or two after that, Jonathan Taves gets a breakaway. And we, anyone that's uh, ever watched World Juniors know what Jonathan Taves can do on breakaways in big moments. He scores there, it's 2-0, and all of a sudden, the, the, the backs break of the Edmonton Oilers. Instead, the Cam Talbot did something that an Edmonton Oiler hasn't done yet this year, and that's make a big save at a big moment. And when he made that save... The bench, instead of deflating, inflated, and they're excited, and all right, our goalie's into it tonight. This is the Talbot we know, and the, and the Oilers played well. It, like, that was an entertaining hockey game between two teams that played very well, a ton of great chances, fun to watch, and the Oilers' specialty teams got the job done tonight. They killed off five power plays against. They score the game-winning goal in the power play. These are things that they weren't getting early in the season, and hopefully this is a start of uh, a nice little run going the other way. Three stars selected in Chicago tonight. Talbot, the first star. McDavid, the second star. Latestu, the third star. Fourth star of the game for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. We can each pick a different guy, but I, you know what? I, I'm going to go with Nugent Hopkins tonight. He wins a couple face-offs in overtime on the four-on-three power play to keep the puck down there so they don't they don't lose a bunch of time. And Nugent Hopkins, obviously, face-offs has been a huge Achilles heel for his career. He wins 9 out of 12 tonight for 75%. And coming into the game, he was at 53.2%. So they'll probably creep up to 55 or 56 now. Yeah, he was very good. And I, I'd give it to him too, but I'm going to go someone different tonight. I thought Malone was good again tonight. Malone got a little... 
little bump in his ice time. Then he plays 10 minutes and a couple good scoring chances. He's trying to make a case for himself that when players start to get back and get healthy, that he can somehow stay in that lineup. It was Patrick Kane in the penalty box when the Oilers scored the goal. The uh, penalty came with a minute 15 left in overtime. Robin, you were saying when the play, I mean, he's the one that goes to the box, but you were talking about the other things that happened on the ice there. Well, the, the play started with, with, with the puck coming up to the, the blue line where Kane was. And he gets the puck, and he hesitates a bit. Instead of getting the puck outside the blue line, he stays in his own. But both his other players, there's two other guys, it's three on three, they took off. Now, all of a sudden, Patrick Kane is pinched off by two Edmonton Oilers. He's got no one to pass the puck to. And one of those Oilers is Connor McDavid, the best in the world. And he has no choice. At that point, he got out-muscled and had to take the penalty to stop McDavid getting a breakaway. So uh, that one... Kane maybe should have tried to get the puck out earlier, but his defensive pair or his defensive guys can't leave the zone on a three-on-three. Bad play by the Chicago Blackhawks turned into a power play for the Edmonton Oilers. All right, so the Oilers win it 2-1 in Chicago. The four-game losing streak comes to an end. The Oilers will try to keep climbing. They're now 2-4 and four on the season. 780-496-0063. We'll start off with Doug tonight. Hey, Doug, thanks for calling. Hey, how are you guys doing tonight? Doing well. A little bit better to watch a game like that than what we saw the last few games, right? <laughs> well, very entertaining game overall. I don't know if you heard Rob talking about it, but I mean, if you were a if you were a neutral observer and decided to sit down and watch that game, I think you'd feel like uh, you had a good night in front of the tube. Yeah, good. It was good to see Maroon uh, get that first goal, get it on, get off the schneid. Uh, actually, I got lucky at the beginning of the game. I was one of called and picked them. So oh, that was you. Luck. Good stuff, Doug. Yeah. Hey, listen, a couple quick things. Won't tell you long. Uh, you know. Watching Yakamoto, I, I like the kid. I really do. Uh, you see his game. But you know what, guys? Um, I, I'm just a little bit worried. You know, he looks good now. He's, do, he's not setting the league on fire, but he's, he's, he's fitting in nicely. But you come to game 30, game 40, game 50, game 60, when the grind really comes in, uh, you know, part of me wants him to stay here, but part of me says, you know, let him go back, have a great year junior, go to the good world's juniors, uh, get another year stronger, whatever, and then come back. Because he has games, there's no doubt. But I'm just worried about as this year drags on, those dog days. Rob, you know what that's all about, eh? Mm-hmm. As you get into those late, late, latter part of the season, especially for a rookie kid, it kind of wears on you, right? So a part of me wants him here, but part of me says, let's think long-term and let's, let's let him go back and, and then have a real good shot next year. What are you thinking, Rob? Well, he... The difference between the Edmonton Oilers now and the Edmonton Oilers five years ago is the Oilers are good now. They don't have to rush kids into the National Hockey League like they did before, before they're ready, before they're physically ready. So Yamamoto's making a case, and if you pick solely on play, Yamamoto would still be here. But I I agree with you. I think after nine games, they're going to thank him. They're going to wish him well, and we're all going to be watching him at the World Juniors at Christmas time. I do believe he'll go back, but having said that, his play has been very good, and I think he has surprised a lot of people here in, in management, certainly surprised a lot of people here in the media at how good he has become so quickly. So good on him, but yeah, I agree. He'll be back in junior soon. For sure. One more quick point, guys. Uh, I've been talking for the last, uh, ever since we got into this overtime business, 3-on-3, three three. I still believe, <laughs> uh, maybe on the outside, but I believe that if you take a penalty when 3-on-3, three three, it should be 4-on-3, it should be 3-on-2. That, uh, to me, it would make it even more open as far as getting that extra goal in overtime. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. but I, I think I think it should be a penalty shot, actually. Well, that, that one that happened with... Well, 
by a loan. But I hear what you're saying. Uh, you take a penalty on uh, three rounds rate, then, yeah, you're right. Maybe it should be a penalty shot. If you don't score, then carry on. Thanks. I'm, I'm always a goal scorer, an offensive player. I'd rather see three on two. I like that. I mean, and if you take another one, it's a three on one. I mean, keep going that way. <laughs> uh, but you know, I, I yeah, I, I'd be I'd be fine if they made that rule change. And I know there's the Patrick Canes and the Connor McDavid's and the Leon Drysettles of the world would love to have three on twos in overtime. That would be kind of fun to watch. The Oilers get two tonight to beat the Hawks 2-1 in OT. That means a $50 donation to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation from Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world. $25 for every Oilers goal this year. They're up to $325. You can also follow that on the Oilers page on 630ched.com. 42-31, the final shots. So, I mean, the the Oilers, they, they came in averaging 41.2 shots per game. So their average will actually go up a little bit, uh, oddly enough. But, you, you know, it, it was it was an entertaining game. I, I think it was a well-played game. You saw some skilled players, McDavid, Taves, Kane, g- getting a lot of the scoring chances or, or creating scoring chances. Uh, Talbot maybe had to make uh, face a few more grade A chances, mostly because of the power plays, I think. The Oilers, I thought in the third period, especially though they started getting the puck, you know, in and around Forsberg, you know, trying to get it in around his feet a lot more than they did in the first two periods. Yeah, I think in the first two periods, there was a lot of perimeter shots by the Oilers, and it was one and done. There wasn't a lot of second, third opportunities. And you and I talked about it in the third period watching there, where all of a sudden the others were going D to D on the blue line and getting a shot. And then they'd retrieve the puck and go D to D, and there'd be a shot and a tip and some pushing and shoving in front of the net. They didn't have that through the first 40 minutes. They got better as the game went on. The Blackhawks had a number of great chances, and there was a number of ones that were, you know, just an inch here or an inch there. They had backdoor open nets, but the Oilers did a good job getting sticks and lanes. Cam Talbot did a very good job of getting his stick out, stopping some of the passes going across. And I agree that Talbot had to make the bigger saves, the the, the tougher saves. But I think both goaltenders were excellent tonight in a game that was well played that both coaches are going to be pretty happy with. Talbot looked like the steady, swallow-the-puck goaltender we saw most of last season. Yeah, when, when Talbot's playing well, it is boring. Because the, seriously, he yeah. comes out, he swallows the puck. He's if there's a, a cross p- cross ice pass, he's already anticipated. And he's now square to the sh- shooter. You know, for example, the game winning goal that Latestu scores on the one timer, it was a long cross ice pass. It took a while to get across. The Chicago Blackhawk goaltender was there. He was in in in, in the right position, but he wasn't out far enough. He he didn't take the the angle well enough and Latesto beats him short side. Not a great goal for that goal for the goalie there. Talbot, you don't see those. When Talbot gets across, he is so far there was one that came earlier in the game where it was Seabrook that came down. Seabrook walks into inside the hash marks, absolutely nothing to shoot at. Talbot had read the play, got out so far out into the the angle that Seabrook, he's shooting, even if he misses Talbot with the shot, he's shooting it wide. Because Talbot, when he is on his game, he's anticipating, he knows what's coming, and he's already set. 2-1, the Oilers take it in overtime, 780-496-0063. Abbas is on the line. Abbas, go ahead. Hey, Reed. Hey, Rob. That was an awesome game. I kind of um, missed the well, the third period, but I got to hear the overtime. Tobbs is amazing. He can stand his ground. 
my question is, is Talbot going to be in the next game, or is or is the other rookie going to be in the it, it, Cam, Cam Talbot will start the next game, and I, I would expect Cam Talbot to play all three games on this road trip. Yeah, they got some time spaced out, obviously. Philadelphia is a, a morning game here in Edmonton, 11 a.m., and then they play Pittsburgh on, on Tuesday. Yeah, so I think they're going to keep putting Talbot in here and let him get back to the form that he that he showed all of last year for sure. 780-496-0063. Omid is on the line as well. Omid, go ahead. Uh, as a guy who's been a fan of the Oilers for the past 10 years, that was impressive that they came back. Um, I, I was pretty surprised. I, I was I was expecting um, Chicago to, to to run away with that game. Well, I mean, Chicago Blackhawks have a very good hockey club, but it was an important game for the Oilers, and and oh, it was sure. and it was it was a big rebound f- game for them. A from what they've done in this past homestand, but B giving up. Uh, 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 an odd goal to start the game. They could have cracked again, and we'd seen them crack earlier in the season, but they, they talked about it. They felt they got to get back on their horse and get back to what they were doing last year, good fen- yeah. fundamental hockey, and they did that. Oh, for sure, and, and, and that was great. You know, it's really, like, I like how they're working together, you know, like like as a team, and that's that's super important and something that they haven't always been doing, you know. Well, I think I think that's a good point. They they were way more organized tonight. I mean, Chicago, sure they had good scoring chances, but I think they were earning them. I mean, they have some good players, and you just saw in in the defensive zone, Omida and Rob. I thought the way the Oilers were, you know, covering each other, making sure they had sticks in lanes, uh, yeah. forcing guys wide. It was it was just a lot more thorough game. And and, and look, like like Rob and I talked about this after the last game, you know, the Oilers did things in the first period of Carolina that looked desperate, that, that looked like, oh, my God, I better make a play right now. And mm-hmm. Rob and I said, you can take 60 or 65 minutes to win a game. It's still two points. Well, tonight, the winning goal comes after 64 minutes and 45 seconds, right? Wow. So they stayed yeah. in it tonight. Yeah, oh, for sure, for sure. All right, thanks for awesome. calling. Oh, be, oh, sorry, did you have something else? No, uh, I just want to thank you guys for having me on. Appreciate oh, yeah, no, appreciate it. Thanks for calling. 780-496-0063. I, I think the composure the Oilers showed tonight is our adjustment of the game for Alberto's chiropractors. Life is the roughest game of all. Feel better, move better, live better. With help from your chiropractor, visit albertachiro.com. And, you know, there there were the, the first five minutes, Rob, I thought were good. Talbot shot the puck over the glass. They killed off the penalty, but Kane's able to score from behind the net. You mentioned the breakaway, the Taves. I, I wrote down the time, actually. It was 19 seconds after Kane scored. Taves got a breakaway. I mean, it could have been two goals in 20 seconds. They, they, and Chicago had a lot of pressure after that, and then last nine minutes of the first period, the Oilers it, got it back together where maybe they weren't getting great scoring chances, but they got some territory back. And then you started to think, like, okay, they're, they're, they're settled into it, then it's under control. Well, it, this was more of a game that we saw last year by the Oilers where they they find themselves in a little bit of trouble but their goaltender makes the big saves and they build off of that and I think that earlier in the season they, they weren't getting the big, big save and when they didn't they they didn't pick their goaltender up today their goalie picked them up and eventually they got the win for him so it, it was a uh, a textbook game in the National Hockey League. Get good goaltending, get good specialty teams, you can win hockey games, and that's what the Oilers got tonight. All right, we have Steve calling. Steve, are you calling from Chicago? Yeah, I just got out of the game, and uh, wow, it was so exciting. 
Who are you cheering for? Well, I'm a Hawk fan, and I've been going to Blackhawks games since the early 80s, and I would say that McDavid is more electrifying than Dennis Savard, Jeremy Roenick, Mike Madano. When he picks up the puck and starts skating, the entire arena just stops to watch him. Yeah, it is pretty amazing. We've been pretty lucky up here in Edmonton to see it. Now the rest of the league, they get their, their one time a year, especially out, out east, but one or two times in Chicago, and he's special. And I can tell you, if everyone holds their breath in the stands, you can imagine what some of those poor defensemen around the league are doing as they see him coming barreling down at 40 miles an hour. Did you see Murphy fall down as McDavid came at him? He just couldn't get himself set, and, and McDavid went right around him. It was amazing to watch tonight. Yeah, and, and, well, and I give him credit. I'm sorry I, to interrupt. I give McClellan credit. He got McDavid on the ice against all three pairs of the Hawks defensemen. I don't think that Quindle could keep up the matchup game. Well, the problem for, for most teams is they've got one pairing that they feel comfortable, as comfortable as you can get going against Connor McDavid, but there's very few teams in the league that can throw out a second pairing, let alone a third pairing, where they can feel confident that they're going to get the job done. It's almost a, a five-man defense th they're throwing up whenever McDavid's out there. Okay, McDavid's out there. We do not turn the puck over. We make sure we have two guys high, don't pinch, and, and all kinds of... You have to play against Connor McDavid differently, especially when you get caught out there with your second or third pairing. Rob, I have a quick question for you because you were such a dynamic offensive player. What happens on the power play? To me, if the power play doesn't score in the first 10, 15 seconds, they're never going to score. What happens on the ice as the power play goes longer and longer and you start passing it around the perimeter and nobody's attacking? What happens to the killer instincts? Why, why doesn't the puck go to the net quicker there? Well... <laughs> I, I always found a power play got best once the puck went on net once because when there's a save, then it, the defenders are always in a box and they've got this system they're going to set up against your, against your power play. Wherever you move the puck, they know where they're going to go. As soon as you take the puck to the net, then now it's like a free-for-all because nobody knows where the puck's going. Now the defenders start running around because, oh, the puck went there, got to go there, and now you got them running, and then that's when you attack, and I always found that's when the goals went in. Now when your power play isn't going well you start getting a frustrated then you start overthinking and overpassing that's one of the things you saw with the Blackhawks tonight there wasn't a lot of shots there wasn't a lot of shots from and, and driving to the net they were looking for that perfect play now they've got the skilled players that are capable of doing it but when your power play is a little bit dry take the puck to the net and hope for a lucky bounce and if you get that lucky bounce, then all of a sudden the next time you gain a little confidence, you get a little better at it. So I don't think there's too big a fear in Chicago with the talent they have. Just like the Oilers' power play had struggled out of the gates here, it eventually will come, and I'm sure it will in Chicago as well. Oilers win it 2-1 in overtime. Latestu with the winner on the power play. McDavid to assist. Tonight we have Nick on the line, 780-496-0063. By the way, thanks for to Steve for calling from Chicago. That's pretty cool. Nick, what's on your mind? Hey, Reed. Hey, Rob. It's been a while. Nice to meet you guys again. Good to um, talk to you. There's, there's a lot I could talk about. I was ready to call in on Tuesday, complain about Maroon, complain about pretty much the whole team, but I held myself against it. Uh, tonight, honestly, I, I thought 
Yamamoto, with him being one of our best wingers, like, is there any really way that, that we can send him down? And I think also with uh, Dry Settle coming back, hopefully on, on Saturday there, um, there's nothing better than for a fan than seeing a Sunday morning game. So hopefully he comes back. I think our team will be a lot better with him in it. And if we can compete with the Hawks, I think we're, we're good to go for, for Saturday against the Phillies. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I still think Yamamoto probably goes back to junior, but I mean, full credit. To, I, I do think he's gotten better every game, which is which has been a positive. Nick, I'm going to put you on hold here. Finish the play. Eight-day parking pass to Jet Set U Park brought to you by Jet Set Parking. Park cheap and easy. Visit JetSetParking.com. Here we go. And the Oilers are able to pump it up the left-hand side. Huge hit. Who delivered that huge hit and got a two-minute penalty for it, Nick? Oh, that was Yamamoto. Easy. Just kidding. It was definitely passing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And the Oilers are able to pump it up the left-hand side. Huge hit by Zach Cassian, and that will be a penalty as he just steamrolled Ryan Hartman. That was a big one. Uh, Rob and I both thought maybe a little fortunate that he didn't get five in a game on that one, but they just decided to go with two for checking from behind. The Oilers killed it off. They killed off all five of their man disadvantages tonight, and they went one for two on a power play. Big reason they win 2-1 in overtime. All right, we got a full board of calls. Everybody is getting in. You're going to hear post-game reaction from United Center. We got to bring you the news and weather here with Scott C. Bourgeois. We'll get back. We'll have the save of the game as well. More from Rob. It's overtime open line. Courtesy Canadian Brew House from the, from the Osmond, Osmond Auctions Broadcast, Broadcast Center. Center. This is the Canadian Brew House overtime open line on Oilers Radio 6:30. Chair. The long shot by Larson is redirected on net. Now cleared ahead for Taze. A breakaway, and that's towed aside by Cam Talbot. So he comes right back with a gigantic stop there. If it's 2-0 on the first two shots, Bob. Cam Talbot, excellent game tonight. That's the save of the game for Armor Insurance. Protect your car, home, and business with Armor at armorinsurance.ca. Talbot gets the victory. He's the first star. He makes 30 saves and the Oilers tough it out. A 2-1 overtime victory over the Chicago Blackhawks. Kane and Maroon in the first period. Latestu on the power play at 444 of overtime. McDavid, two helpers including a spectacular assist to set up Maroon in the first period. Yeah, it was uh, it was a night that you needed your best players to be your best players and tonight they were. McDavid and Talbot were the two best players on the ice and Anybody that didn't see the game and want to get a look at what McDavid did, go to any of the local TV station sports shows or go online, and you can see Connor McDavid set up one of the nicest goals of the year thus far. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Terry standing by. Terry, good to hear from you. Yeah, good evening, uh, Rob Reed. Terry Turnovoy calling. Um, uh, a few things going on. Uh, uh, you guys, I, <clears throat> I thought you were uh, the, the best show in town, but unfortunately you're taking second place now to Stauffer. Uh, I, 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 I'm a little biased. I took a couple of university courses with Stauffer back in the day, and <laughs> you guys uh, unfortunately kept me 30. You don't have respect for a 69-year-old's kidneys. <laughs> so, well, that sounds about right. You so and Bob you, are the same age, so I can see how you guys went to school <laughs> together. <laughs> So you drop back a couple of notches, but <laughs> nevertheless, Chicago, I don't know what the heck it is, but uh, it, 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 it just puts me in such a crazy mood, you know, like uh, um, 
you get old Jim Cornelius and sing the anthem. I don't know anybody who could sing it better than that, you know. And then and you get uh, Eddie uh, uh, Eddie Olchek. Eddie Olchek, yeah. yes, and and uh, good to hear he's well. Uh, I heard he was a really nice guy, and I I never met him, but I uh, anybody who uh, pulls for the horse races like he does can't be a bad guy. Um, I was lucky enough, uh, in, in back in the 80s when the Oilers were really, really going strong, uh, there was a fellow named Bill Tuelli kind of put me up in the press box with uh, an old country newspaper, and I got to meet people like uh, Bobby Hall, who I thought was one of the nicest fellows I ever met. I sat right next to him for probably, I don't know, six to ten games or something like that, and then and, uh, probably tied for second place would have been uh, Wally Gretzky. Uh, a really, really nice man. So I'm kind of in a nostalgic mood tonight. And, uh, you know, when the Oilers pull off what they did tonight, I mean, it's just total bonus. Uh, uh, what else can I say? Appreciate it, Terry. Always good to hear from you. 780-496-0063. Oilers take it 2-1 in overtime in Chicago. They snapped their four-game losing streak. Other results on the Advantage Trailer Rentals scoreboard. Bruins over the Canucks 6-3. Carolina wins 2-1 in Calgary. Islanders edge the Rangers 4-3 in a shootout. Predators blank, uh, blank the Flyers 1-zip. Oilers are in Philly on Saturday. Lightning defeating the Blue Jackets, 2-0. In overtime, Devils get by the Senators 5-4. The Devils are 6-1. The Blues edge the Avalanche 4-3. And with 13 minutes left, Stars and Coyotes tied 3-3. Dodgers beat the Cubs 11-1 to win the series in five and advance to the World Series. And Thursday night football, Raiders score on the last play, 31-30. They beat the Chiefs. All right, 780-496-0063. Here's Rocket on the line. Hey, Rocket. Hey guys, how you doing? Doing well. I got two words for you. Battle tested victory. Three words. <laughs> well, there's a hyphen probably. <laughs> that's that's what I think this this victory was. It was it was crucial. It was it was a battle tested playoff type victory. They got everything that they were looking for from goaltending to uh, you know, players stepping up when they're missing the likes of Dreisaitl and and the rest of the injuries. Uh, I just thought it was like a well-played, uh, true, battle-tested playoff-type game, and, and it was a pleasure to watch. No, it, it was a good game, and it was a game that was important to the Oilers. You know, four-game losing streak, a pretty daunting road trip ahead of them. And I, and I, from experience, you always want to win the first game on the road trip. It just sets up your road trip nicely. You drop the first one, then you seem to be chasing the rest of the trip. So a big game, and those are the ones when you play against good hockey teams and you beat good hockey teams, especially in their arena, they, they, they start to change the mood around your dressing room. You'll walk with a little more swagger in your step. So I think this is a good step for the for the Oilers, and hopefully it'll carry on into their next game. 2-1, the Oilers take it. A couple of people have been talking about Kyler Yamamoto. Eight shots on goal tonight. Really close, a couple in the, in the, in the third period. We, we should expand on that a little bit more. I, I, I still think he, he winds up playing for Spokane this year. He's American, so he'd play for the U.S. World Junior Team in Buffalo. So that, that would be exciting. 
I mean, Rob, I know you you always say if that you want McDavid and Dreisaitl on the same line. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Dreisaitl didn't didn't play today, but he should be able to play in Philadelphia on Saturday morning. But the great thing about Yamamoto, I, I stick with what I've been saying. It's house money with Yamamoto. There, there's no lose. He has gotten better. I think with each game, he now has an assist in three consecutive games, so good for him to be getting a few points as well. Yeah, I agree. I think he's proved that he's capable of playing, but it's probably better off for him and better off for the Oilers long-term for him to get another year in junior. Go down there, star. Be a star in the Western Hockey League. Go play in the World Juniors and get a silver medal. And <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, but 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 go get bigger, get stronger, uh, work on aspects of your game that you found maybe a little lagging up here at the National Hockey League level, and then come back next year, and earn your spot, and then start your career. Um, having said that, he keeps overachieving. He keeps proving people wrong. He keeps giving himself that one more opportunity, and. We'll see where it goes. If the Oilers aren't fully healthy, I would expect to see him in the next game. And and we'll go from there. But I, 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 I agree. I think that Spokane is where he'll be this year. And I believe it'll be a good move for him and the Oilers. 2-1, the Oilers take it. We have Jared on line two. Jared, good to hear from you, buddy. Go ahead. I just got a couple of quick comments and a couple of questions for Reed. And I just want a comment first on Cam Talbot. And uh, there's maybe quite a few people out there that say, well, goaltending maybe isn't as important a part of the game. as." Uh, but I would say that Cam Talbot is just as important as Connor McDavid is to the key for the Oilers' success this year. And I think that's the reason why last year, you know, he was equivalent to Connor McDavid in terms of being the team MVP. And the other thing was, I think, you know, Tom McClellan built up this system over the last year and the Oilers have had a lot of success. But now I think teams will start to analyze it and, and pick it apart to a certain degree. And I think in those first few games, the Oilers didn't look that good. I think that it almost seemed like they were overthinking and maybe things were too systemic. And, and maybe Todd is trying to cover every scenario in the game and possibly overwhelming the players. And then they're not playing through hockey sense anymore. They're thinking, well, what does Todd want me to do instead of what I should be doing? And I think that the system still needs room for like spontaneity so my question for rob is do you think the oilers system has that ability to adapt and if todd has built up this system over the last two years can they change it if it's not working or is it it is two years too long a period of time and do you think that a coach can suffocate the team by trying to cover every angle when it's just not possible I think a coach can suffocate a team. I don't believe that's happening here, but I have seen coaches around the National Hockey League, and I've heard players talk that certain coaches have suffocated the creativity of teams. The reason the Oilers didn't win at the beginning of the season, it wasn't, I believe, because they were being suffocated or they were thinking too much about what to do. I just They just weren't doing it. Like Oscar Clefbaum last game, pinching when he shouldn't have pinched, that had nothing to do with systems. The, the dumb penalties that they took last game, that had nothing to do with systems. I think uh, Todd is a very good coach that has the respect of his team. And But sometimes there's a hangover from the year before. When you find success, you start to think it's going to be easier. It, every team, every player that steps on the ice would love to have an easy game. The course of a, a season, it's a grind. And you're physically and you're mentally spent uh, each and every night that you play. 
So some nights you get out there, some teams feel out how this game's going to be. And if it's going to be an easy game and you can get through it without, you know, laying in front of pucks with your face and, and just going balls out the entire game, if you can get through that, well, then you're going to try and cheat a little bit that way. But the problem in the National Hockey League when you're a team that everybody's trying to gun against now because they know how good you are, you're not going to see other teams' B or C efforts. Everybody knows how good Edmonton is now. Everybody is scared of Connor McDavid, what he can do. They don't want to be embarrassed. So you're getting A efforts, and the others are learning, and they learn in the first few games that they can't feel themselves into a game. They can't go out there and just be just good enough to win. They have to give everything they have, and if they do, then they're a good team. If they don't, well, then just they're just an average team. Jared, good to hear from you, buddy. Have a good night, gentlemen. I, I think... I, I will say this because I want to get your reaction to this, Rob, because you and I never talked about it. Uh, Don Cherry on Hockey Night in Canada and Doug McLean, former coach and general manager in the NHL on Inside Sports, kind of criticized Todd for singling out the superstars, McDavid and Dreisaitl, obviously, after the loss to the Winnipeg Jets. And there were some questions about, you know, those those three intense practices. D- did he overdo it a little bit? Nope. Not at all. I've had practices like that the day before a game. I've had practices where there were no pucks for two hours, and the next day you got to play. I played for Mike Keenan. We had a lot of those. Um, it's early in the season. They're, the team is still fresh, so I don't think that has anything to do with it. I think if you're going to call a play, and, and Todd McClellan never calls anyone out and says, this guy is awful. I mean, he's he gives an honest assessment, and if he gives an honest assessment about uh, a Mark Latestu, then he's got to be able to give an honest assessment about Connor McDavid. And I don't think it really bothers a Connor or a Leon or a Cam Talbot because anything that Todd says publicly, the player already knows. So I know I had no problem with what he has done, and, and I had no problem with the practices. And I guarantee you, the players were expecting the practices that they got. Well, that's true. 10 17, Oilers win 2 1 in overtime. Cam's up next on the line. We got a full board of calls. We will talk to all of you tonight. Canadian Brew House Overtime Open Line. Canadian Brew House Overtime Open Line. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. Off the draw, here's Yamamoto looking for Connor McDavid. Turns, waits, backdoor, what a feed! And Patrick Maroon taps it over for the equalizer. What a play by McDavid. He faked backhand shelf and brought it back to his forehand, curled it in front of the goaltender where a wide-open Patrick Maroon was waiting. That was some play. Yeah, just a spectacular play by McDavid. Maroon gets the goal that tied it 1-1 in the first. No scoring until 444 of overtime. Latestu, power play, game winner. Oilers take down Chicago 2-1. Good game tonight. Talbot very good. Oilers outshoot Chicago 42-31. The Japanese Village goal light is back. We don't turn it on tonight, though. We will when the Oilers score five or more in a game. Then you can go to the Oilers page on 630ched.com. Print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village. Three locations in Edmonton, downtown, south side, and north side. 780-496-0063 is our phone number. I'm Reed Wilkins, former Chicago Blackhawk, Rob Brown, with us tonight. Though we looked at your games played for Chicago. Not a lot. No, I, I noticed that, too. I thought I played more there. I actually thought you did, too. Well, you went to a Stanley Cup final, so that's okay. Cam is on the line. Cam, thanks for calling. Boys, how's it going? Doing well. Right on. Um, do you think Yamamoto, if he goes down, will 
will stay in Spokane for the year, or do you think he'll go to one of the Eastern powerhouses? Oh, that's a really good question. Good question. Yeah, and I, 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 don't, I don't even know what Spokane's record is, Cam. I haven't looked at the uh, full standings this week. And, and i got to yeah. be honest with you, too. I, I, I don't follow the Western Hockey League well enough to know the answer to that question at all. Yeah, they're 6-5-1. Swift Current and Mooshaw and Regina are all unbelievable in the East. Yeah, yeah, well, that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, I... I yeah, that that could happen. Well, for right? for for people Regina's out there, hosting. yeah, for people out there listening that don't follow junior hockey a lot, you you do see that because uh, the turnover is so quick in, in the Western Hockey League because you only have players probably for two years, three years tops. If you're a struggling franchise with a star, you send your player on and get draft picks and young players so you can rebuild. And the team that gets the star, they make their push for a, for a Memorial Cup championship. So you see a lot of teams trade really good players during the season to uh, powerhouses so that they can rebuild quicker. I could see them maybe staying up even a little bit beyond. I, I know that's not the norm, but even staying up a little bit beyond and then going to the World, uh, world Juniors and have something set up for after where uh, he goes. You mean stay, stay up here with the Oilers? I, I mean, I know it's not good technology-wise, but... I, honestly, I don't... I See, this is what I... And I and I have no insider information on this. Yeah. But this is what I see. I see the, a guy named Kelly still skating with the Edmonton or still here with the team. I believe he's here with the team because eventually Yamamoto is going to go down to junior, which opens up a contract so that they can sign Kelly. I don't know where Kelly fits on the team. But I don't know why he's here if he, that's not the case. Right I mean, who does Kelly push out of the lineup? I, yeah, like that, Malone, I, that, Malone did fine. Yeah, he know, did. A, but I'm just, why is he still with the team if he's not going to be signed if their contract opens? That, that, to me, that's, I, I just wouldn't see any other reason for him to be here. Mm-hmm. So, I, But, uh, I yeah. mean, I have, no, I have no idea either way. This is just me speculating. The other thing I was going to say here, there's a few quotes about goaltending. One of them, Art Berglund, who ran U.S. hockey when they won the national or won the, the World Cup back in, I think, 96, he said, the man in the net makes the difference. Without the goaltender, you don't have diddly. And he did use the word diddly. Art Berglund used the word diddly. And then your former coach, Gene Ubriaco, Rob, said, <laughs> where you had a pretty big season under him. <laughs> was it him or was it Mario? I don't know. Which one Which one complimented you better? But, I, I'm going to go with the French guy. Yeah, not suggesting he didn't do a great job. But anyways, he said, Gene Ubriaco said, in hockey, goaltending is 75% of the game unless it's bad goaltending, then it's 100% of the game because you're going to lose. And then my final comment is Harry Sinden. Goaltending is to hockey like putting is to golf. It really has no relationship to the rest of the game, but at the end of the day, you can't win without it. Yeah, that's a good one. Thanks for those, Cam. We appreciate it. 780-496-0063. It's true. It, it is so, so, so true. And that's why all last year you and I were talking, we talked about it a lot on our show, that we felt Connor McDavid was going to be the NHL MVP, but he could split the Edmonton Oilers MVP with, yeah. with Cam Talbot because we saw how important Cam Talbot was to this franchise last year. And he gives them 
a legitimate chance to win every single hockey game. It's been a slow start for him this year, but tonight we saw what Cam Talbot is capable of doing, and he kept the team in the game early and made the big saves when he had to. Like Obviously, the breakaway save prevented it from being 2 nothing, which would have been two goals 20 seconds apart, and I thought his best save in terms of being a spectacular save was uh, sawed on the power play with about 13 and a half minutes left in the second period. I mean, I was watching that on the TV, and I thought, oh, there's a goal. And, and then Talbot just shot the pad out, and puck goes to the corner, and the Oilers clear it. And he, he shot the pad out while looking through traffic. I mean, there was all kinds of bodies in front of the net. Saad thinks he has a wide-open net and puts it on with some with some muster behind it, and Talbot gets there. And that's what we saw from Talbot night in and night out last year. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Mike from Ottawa staying up late to give us a call. Hey, Mike. How's it going, boys? Doing well. Can see if you can hear this riff. I got a little riff just in um in memory of a. Wow, we got live music on the show. That's incredible. That's our new band. Yeah, you're the house band, Mike. Thanks, guys. You're our well, Paul Schaefer. Well, I just, I'm just saying that uh, you know it's uh, heartfelt to the country that's mourning the loss of a great uh, musician. So, uh, but tonight, wow, what a game! What a game! Like, uh, holy geez, you know, I was uh, playing my PlayStation Four game. The NHL 18 <laughs> came out with McDavid on the front, and uh, they have to put an extra button for the McDavid move where you're skating backwards, and somehow you do a spinorama, and then you pass it tape to tape over to Maroon, who's just sitting there saying, you know, here it is. And uh, wait for McDavid to pump up his teammates, and also pretty good game tonight. Yamamoto is just playing amazing too. So, yeah, for sure, Mike. Thanks for the uh, riff, buddy. We appreciate it. Yeah, we love you, Gord. Have a good night, boys. All right, Mike from Ottawa checking in seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. By the way, if you want to hear an amazing story about Gord Downing the tragically hip. Uh, go to the Inside Sports podcast on iTunes or the Inside Sports page on 630chat.com and listen to Rob Brown uh, late in the first hour yesterday. An incredible story you had for me there, Rob. Okay, well, yeah, I mean, fans are excited, which is nice. They snap the four-game streak. They they play the way they want to play. Uh, you know, I mean, you're not... You, here's the thing about... And every, we're, we're going to get everybody in on the phone lines. I know a lot of people are still calling. You, you can't expect a blowout. You can't expect what the Dodgers did to the Cubs tonight. I mean, we were watching, we had the end of the NFL game on. It came down to the last play, I think, four times because there kept being penalties on the on the last play. But you, I mean, if you go in there and you, and you play well, sometimes you might catch a team on an off night and and you might coast to, coast to victory. But you have to have the mentality that this is going to be difficult. And as Todd said, you have to have the mentality that this might be the shift that decides the game. So you better take care of it. Yeah, and tonight they did, more so than they had any time this year. And they were playing a Blackhawk team that I thought played well as well. They came out and they had their opportunities. The the Oilers withstood that. They got good goaltending, good penalty killing. Um, and then and little things that happen in the game. The Oilers have a power play at the end of the game to win a game. And Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who has not been good in the circle his entire career in Edmonton, wins face-off after face-off against, and he's going against Taves yep. in, in the offensive zone. When you do that, all of a sudden you have Puck set up four on three. Goes the other way, they ice it. Who knows what happens in this hockey game? So little things 
that were getting away from the Oilers, details that were getting away from the Oilers, they were much better with tonight and went a long way in winning this hockey game. 2-1 in overtime. The Oilers take it. Letestu the winner. We're going to have a mark on the phone line when we get back. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. From the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 6.30 chat. Well, after going winless on a three-game homestand, the Oilers start their three-game road trip with a hard-fought 2-1 overtime victory over the Chicago Blackhawks. Kane, Maroon, and Letestu, the goal scorers. McDavid, a couple of helpers, Clefbaum and Yamamoto also had assists for your Edmonton Oilers. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. It's 1033-780-496-0063. We have Mark on the line. Hi, Mark. Good evening, gentlemen. Uh, anyways, great show, guys. Uh, a long-time listener, first-time caller. Uh, just want to, uh, first of all, thank Rob uh, being the participant in uh, research and, and concussion uh, cause. Great stuff. Anyways, after first uh, goal, or the only goal that uh, Talbot let in, I, I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, he might cave in, but he stood his ground, and uh, it was awesome that... Uh, you know, he held his composure and uh, held our team. I, th- I thought the the entire team played really well. Uh, we finally gelled, and uh, to come out with the win uh, in the Windy City, it's just going to be uh, uh, awesome for, our, uh, you know, uh, forward moving. So thank you. Yeah, no, appreciate it, Mark. Thanks a lot for listening. And he makes a good point. I mean, that that first goal, goal zinc goes in. It was kind of it was kind of a funny one. I mean, I, I don't know. I know when a goal goes in from behind the net, you think, well, the goalie should have had it. It was kind of a fluttering puck into the crease, hits Talbot's skate, bounces in. But then how he reacted and the whole team reacted, Rob. And that's the. I mean, I, I even when a team gets a shutout, I, I haven't seen a, a team ever play a perfect game in the NHL. Nope. Bad things are going to happen. Challenging things are going to happen. And today, when it came to that goal, when it came to a couple of penalties, and I thought the Oilers took a couple borderline bad. Well, mm-hmm. one was really bad. A couple others were maybe avoidable. They they reacted well. They 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 took care of it. They didn't sink. Well, you want to see what a response is when when something bad happens. And that first goal was not a good goal. And Cam Talbot, who has struggled as of late, bounces back and was exceptional the rest of the night. So all all goalies let in goals they wish they had back. It's how they respond to them. And tonight, Cam Talbot responded perfectly. He winds up making thirty saves to lead the Oilers to victory. We have Allen on line four. Allen, you're on with Robin Reed. Hey guys, uh, I just wanted to talk about uh, Maroon and uh, Malone. I thought that uh, Maroon uh, finally found his passion that he had last year for this game, and hopefully it continues. And I wanted your thoughts on that. And uh, Malone's consistent play, I thought that really played a factor in the game as well. And uh, I wanted to ask Rob Brown, um, have you ever been called out by the coach publicly? That's all. Thanks. Thank you. Um, trying to think publicly. Uh, yeah, I know, I know Daryl Sutter had said some things before. Um, I, I've been called out. You know, actually, getting called out publicly isn't as, as bad, as long as it's not so, so stupid. Getting called out in front of your teammates, that's the one that hurts because it's in front of your peers. And I have had that happen before, and it and it's tough. I've never had anyone anything that I've read in the newspaper where I'm, like, fighting mad because I can't believe he <laughs> said that about me. Um, for the most part, and, I, and with Todd McClellan, when he said, "If I've had Coach Yano, he's not good enough. 
our uh, you know our, our right wingers last night. Mario's winger wasn't good enough last night. That's why we we got to be better. And most times the player knows that when when he says it. So I, I I haven't been affected by that, and I don't think any of the players on the Oilers were affected. It's when you call him out harshly is when there's an, something, and I don't see that happening. And just quickly on his other points, I, I thought Patrick, I thought the line of Maroon, McDavid, and Yamamoto had a good game, and, and Maroon was was more effective down low and and around the net as well. Good job of him finishing the the great yep. pass from McDavid. Well, and before you go further, it, it looks like an easy play from Maroon, and I made fun of it with Bob that Stradwick could have scored the goal. But it's amazing how many players, A, will go skate past the net, B, will have their stick up in the air because at one point, Connor McDavid was facing his own end with two guys, one guy on him and two guys between him and, and, and Maroon. But Maroon stayed exactly where he was supposed to be. He had the puck on the, on, or his stick on the ice. So it, it sounds simple, but if you watch in hockey games, all players don't do that. When you play with a great player, you're told, Mario told me this, always be ready for a pass. Even when it looks like it can't get there, I can get it there. And that's what you saw with the, the McDavid pass to Maroon. Malone played 9.56. He went 5 out of 9 in the face-off circle. In terms of being a, a depth player, I see no reason for him to come out of the lineup on Saturday, even if both Dreisaitl and Kajula come back. Fully he's, agree he's with He's done you. his job. Yep. He's absolutely done his job. Mo on line two. Hey, Mo. Hey, boys. How's it going? Doing well. Good, good. Uh, yeah, so I'm actually calling you guys from Toronto, uh, staying up a little bit watching Oilers play. My favorite team. I've been watching them for a while. Um, I gotta say, it was a bit of a disappointing start, but um, it was good to see Cam bounce back. I think uh, he, had, I know he, the whole team wasn't playing very well, but especially him, he was just giving up, you know, way too many soft ones in the earlier, you know, in the season. But I think uh, tonight, I was really impressed by obviously uh, Nugent Hopkins. I think he played really well. Yamamoto, I don't, I don't see. It. I, I know you guys say he's probably going to go down, but to be honest, I mean, he's the only winger that has that much talent and speed on the wings. Uh, I really think it would be a mistake for the others to send him down. And, you know, McDavid, you know, he just imposed his will on the blue line tonight of Chicago. It was just a really good effort. And I, I honestly have a good feeling about this the rest, the rest of this road trip. I think they can I think they can take both games in Pennsylvania, boys. Yeah, well, they, they yeah, they just got to keep playing like they, they, they did today. Yeah, you know, Yamamoto... Uh, I mean, you're right. You you can't fault how he's performed and, and learned so far. And and to to his credit, he's making it a tough decision. So so good for him. Mo, you're in Toronto. Where is the parade route going to go? Have you mapped out a spot to watch from already, or what? <laughs> oh man, they're celebrating already, man. Like there, there's confetti flying all over the city and stuff. There's so much. They are so good. I'm being sarcastic, but that is that is a good team, isn't it, Mo? Yeah, but you know, being an Oilers fan for so long, it just gets, it gets kind of annoying hearing all oh, the you know they just had one good year. Yeah, yeah, they got some great talent like Matthews, Nylander, Marner. But you know, like let's you know let's slam on the brakes a little bit, right? Let's see let's see what happens. It's a long season. Mo, thanks for calling, buddy. And no problem at any time. That is Mo seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Josh, you're up next, but we've been waiting to get uh, Todd McClellan in here from the United Center. Here's the post game reaction with the coach. The process to to get to that win tonight, Todd. Well, we had to put a lot of work into it, which was uh, a good sign for our team. And I thought we played fairly well on both sides of the puck. Um, we're one of the most difficult teams in the league to play against and and to check because they're so creative. They create a lot of space and time and. Uh, we were able to do that, uh, you know, not perfectly, but but well enough to win. And uh, our special teams, we uh, we finally ended up on the front end of that for the first time this season and won us a game. 
about Cam bouncing back after a nasty goal to start? And to see him come out and have that performance, how reassuring is that as well? That was uh, very um, impressive. Uh, he could have cracked after giving up the first one, obviously, on the first shot, and one he'd probably like to have back. But after that, he made some tremendous saves. He really gave us a chance. Uh, I thought he looked more like uh, he did most of last year. And uh, our team looked a little better than it did uh, in the past few games, and maybe it all goes together. It won't mean as much if you don't continue it, but just having the weight off your shoulders and, and maybe just being able to, to play hockey uh, help. We're, we're not out of the, the crap by any means. We're, we're still digging the sand off our, uh, off our bodies, and, and we've got to keep going. And, uh, you know, if we, uh, if we come up with a poor effort, shame on us in, in Philly. It uh, doesn't mean we're going to win the game, but uh, the commitment level has to stay where it's been uh, the last little bit here, and we've got to keep digging our way out. Did this team look like the team you envisioned tonight? Did they do the things, the small things you talk about, the executions? Does this look more like a team well, you want? Better, yeah, certainly better. Um, as I said earlier, uh, Chicago is one of the toughest teams to play against in the league, in my opinion, because they're tough to check. They're very creative. They create a lot of... Uh, a lot of offense off of um, loose pucks and, and stripping people and uh, their special teams are dangerous so uh, we're happy with the win we're happy with the way we played but uh, like I said we're not uh, anywhere close to cruise control we've got a lot of work to do well they got to keep working I mean they've played two committed games they they won them both and I mean and look they easily could have got out of Chicago with just one point tonight mm-hmm. uh, it would have been more disappointing but but I mean that's and that's what's frustrating me about the previous four games is there are nights you're going to play really well and lose. Yep. So you can't give the points away where you're not fully engaged, right? So so good they get you get the two tonight. Latestu comes through with the clutch goal and and quickly what he said about Chicago, them being hard to check and and, and p- obviously people know what Patrick Kane can do and to me it's even more evident when you and I see Chicago play live. Yes. I mean he is so good where he flies up the wing and he gets across the blue line and then you think, oh, he's got nowhere to go. And then he cuts in the middle and all of a sudden he's by himself. And you're like, wait a minute, there was just a defenseman right on him and now he's got like 50 feet of room to make a play. He's so good at that. He, he's one of my favorite players to watch play because he's just so creative and he makes things out of nothing. And it's hard defending him because you don't want to commit and get too close because then he's by you. And you don't want to give him too much room because he's going to make the pass through you. So he's, he's as good uh, a player with the puck on his stick as anyone in the National Hockey League. Now, he doesn't have the speed that Connor McDavid has, but he's, sa- he's, in, the same, he's in the same uh, conversation when it comes to vision on the ice. He, he's just fun, fun to watch play hockey, and that's why I was, when we got close, I hope this goes to overtime. We had to see some of the best players in the world play with a lot of free ice out there. That was a good overtime. And it was, there was a lot of good opportunities. Maybe you see Dar- Darnell Nurse uh, take yeah. a couple of chances too. Saad had a chance there. Uh, Taves David a couple. had one go just wide just yeah. before he got the penalty. That, that was an entertaining overtime for sure. Oilers win 2-1. Latestu had the game winner. We have Josh on line six. Josh, how are you doing? Good, you? Good. Thanks for calling. Go ahead, man. So I just had a couple questions looking ahead to Saturday here. Um, with the line of McDavid, Yamamoto, Murray playing the way they have, like, for my opinion, they've uh, increased in chemistry and ability over the last three games. Like This game was by far their best game. Um, I'd like to see a guy go in, and I'd like to see uh, Drysidle probably center the third line just to give Yamamoto his chance and see if we can actually have Drysidle away from McDavid. And then can 
the other question I'd have is, uh, who do you think is going to draw out for Benning coming in? They'll, well, they'll take Ovitu out for sure on the blue line, Josh. Uh, up front, I would think that they would take Packer in and out if only Leon comes back. And you raise a good question. Uh, I mean, I, I thought Strom, Nugent Hopkins, and Lucic are starting to develop a little bit more. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Do you, like, are, are you saying put Leon with maybe Slepyshev and, and, and Jokinen? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking because, it, it would, A, he's going to come in and be on the third line, so he's not going against first pairings on his first game back, which is good for him. And, B, you also give Yamamoto a chance to see if he can actually be McDavid's winger, at least for the next three games. Maybe he takes the ball and keeps going and keeps getting better, right? It's a good problem to have, obviously. Yeah. Thanks, Josh. It is. I, I, I see your point. To me, you want Leon and I put Leon with McDavid. Time. I put Yamamoto down with Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and I put Strom back at center and, and, and see if Strom can play third line center because I think that's where Strom's going to have to be. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I, to me, I've always been a fan of Dry Settle and McDavid together. I just they are just too powerful a line not to have together. Right. Yeah. So you could have. So Strom could center Jokinen and Cassian, Sle- Cassian or Slepyshev, uh, and then Latestu, Malone, and the other right winger could be yep. together because mm-hmm. Malone could. And the interesting thing about the Oilers now, and they're actually, we'll see where they wind up faceoff wise. They're middle of the pack coming in. They have, if Drysaitel plays, you have Drysaitel, Nugent, Hopkins, Strom, McDavid, Malone, Latestu, yep. that. Could all take. I mean, McDavid didn't have a good night taking faceoffs, but Nuge is doing better. Uh, Latesti was fifty-six percent. They haven't. I mean, it's been ages since they had that versatility taking draws, which is huge. Well, they had versatility before, but none of them could win well, draws. Well, they didn't win it. They, well, yeah, somebody's <laughs> they could, gonna they take could, it. They, they could put anybody out there because they were getting the exact same result every time they put someone out there. So why not? Hey, let's let this guy have it. Benning, you take one tonight. Everyone else has lost when <laughs> you go. So now it is kind of nice. They got two guys. They have a lefty and a righty. They throw in on all situations. We saw tonight Malone, who's this fourth line call up from the minors, who nobody, nobody outside of, or actually nobody in Edmonton knew who he was till they came to training camp. Every face-off in the Oilers zone tonight that McDavid was on the ice for, Malone was out there for the face-off. Took the draw. As soon as he won the draw, went to the bench and on jumped Maroon. So it shows you that Todd McClellan has faith in what Malone can do and, and earn the ice time. So, yeah, I agree with you. I don't take Malone out of the lineup. And the center situation is much stronger. These new rules that are in place, it could only help the Oilers because the Oilers were horrible with the old rules. The new rules, and now they're, they're I don't know, they, they're what, middle of the pack in the National Hockey League somewhere. They have not been, in the 10 years that I've been doing these games, they have never been a good face-off team, and they are getting much better. Nugent Hopkins, excellent tonight on the draws, especially in crucial situations. 10.48 is the time. The Oilers are 2-4 and four on the season. They get a 2-1 overtime win over Chicago tonight. We'll keep taking your calls. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. Left circle, Nugent Hopkins battling in front. McDavid to cleft bomb. One-timer, Latestu scores! Mark Latestu wins the game for Edmonton! There's the overtime winner for your Oilers. They beat Chicago 2-1 in a very entertaining game we had for you tonight on 630 Ched. 
Rob Brown, do you like uh, like a lot of sports, like two games in one day? Does that sound good? I'm in. Let's do it. What we're going to do on Saturday, mm-hmm. 9.30 a.m. face-off show. Oilers Flyers at 11 a.m. 6 o'clock countdown to kickoff. Eskimos and Lions, 8 o'clock. Third weekend in a row, we're going to have a doubleheader. This set this time, uh, the Oilers go first. Eskimos went first last time's out. Sounds like a fun day. Yeah. That's a full one. That'll be good. Mm, Eskimos I'm ready. trying to win their third in a row. Oilers will be trying to win their second in a row. They win 2-1 over Chicago, 780-496-0063. We have <coughs> Siv on line five. Hey, thanks a lot for calling. Hey, guys, how's it going? Good. Did I say your name right? Yeah, Siv, S-I-V. Okay, perfect. What's on your mind, man? Hey, just wanted to get your guys' opinion on um, Darnell Nurse. I think this is a really critical year for him because if he's not in the top four by the end of this year, could we really ever see him being a top four defenseman? I I mean, he'll have about, I think, 175, 200 NHL games under his belt by the end of this year. And I, I know there's a lot of talk about his skating ability, his ability to, his battle level, his compete, and that's clearly evident when he's playing. But, I mean, offensively, I don't know how much there is there. And his passing-wise, I don't, I don't see him making the clean, crisp pass out of the zone um, as often as I'd like to see. Um, how, what, do you, what do you think are realistic expectations for him? And do you ever see him kind of developing into that left-shot Adam Larson type? Or what, where do you guys see him going? Wow, that's a, that's a really good question. A lot there. I don't see him being a top four this year. I don't because they're once Sekra is back, they have their top four, and then the third pairing will be Nurse and Benning, which will be a very uh, solid third pairing, something that you feel pretty comfortable with. Uh, I mean, the contracts that the others, what Sekra got left in his contract? He's got uh, what four, including this year. Yeah, what and then Clef- and Larson and Clefbaum are here long term. They just signed Russell for four, so there's some guys locked up all ahead of him. So. Yeah, now. Here's the thing, though. The Oilers, when they were bad, were playing guys higher up in the lineup. Yeah. If you have Nurse being a little bit protected as a five, and then if he's playing well or there's an injury, he, he bumps up mm-hmm. a little bit. I, I think, and he, you know, Siv asked about his skating. I don't know if he's ever going to be a, a high-end point producer. He probably has more potential than Larson yes. for points. He mentioned his passing ability, but I think that figures into how Nurse reads the ice and reads the game and is he putting the puck in the proper position. Because mm-hmm. I think he has the physical ability and he still just has to start seeing the lanes and understanding the pace a little better. Yeah, I think that was very, very well said. And I actually think he's played fairly well to start yeah. the season and even ha- even was probably one of the better defensemen in the losing streak. Well, in a perfect example of seeing the ice and seeing the play tonight in... I think it was in overtime tonight. Yes. He he carried the puck up, and they have a three-on-two. And it's a clear-cut three-on-two because the Blackhawks were tired. Their guy, I think it was Kane, actually went and changed. So Nurse comes across the blue line, gets to where the ringette line would be on a normal uh, minor hockey rink. He gets there. He's got Connor McDavid behind him wide open. Wide open. Best player in the world who's having an incredible game. He doesn't look back there to get him the puck. Instead, he tries going down, Try around, wrap goes wrap-around. You've got Connor McDavid on the ice, you find him. Especially on a three-on-two when he's open. And he'll make you look good. So there's there's something just seeing the game. So I think Darnell Nurse is still learning the game, learning to find his vision at the National Hockey League level. And I think if he's ever going to become a, a top pairing or a second pairing effective player, 
that is the thing right there. It's got to it's got to get better, and that's his vision on the ice. Yeah, a really good call there from Siv. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Before we take more of your phone calls, the first star tonight, the winning goaltender, Cam Talbot. Hey, it's what, what goes through your mind before, and then when maybe Taze is storming down on a breakaway a couple. Yeah, I mean those happen pretty quick. I mean those guys don't need any help scoring goals, that's for sure, especially from below the goal line. So it wasn't the way I wanted to start the game, given the last way or the last game, the way the last game went, but. Uh, I made the big save on Taves there and another one on Keith back door and just kind of got my confidence back up and uh, just kind of settled down from there. You get, sorry Rob, you shoot one over the glass right before all that and then you kick one in and it, well, it's every reason to think, oh man, here we go again. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Is there some mental work to make sure that doesn't happen, I guess? Yeah, um, I had to battle hard out there tonight to make sure that didn't happen given the way things have been going lately. But uh, like I said, I thought after I made that save on Taves uh, and then the other one back door, um, just kind of settled down from there, started playing my game, didn't try to do too much, and uh, just, yeah, settled down, and I feel pretty comfortable out there. This whole team sort of got back to what it was doing last year. Like, McDavid had another gear, you played really strong, your special teams clicked. I mean, it's just a lot of stuff that worked for you before was working again. Yeah, I think you have to give the PK a lot of credit tonight. Uh, that team doesn't uh, doesn't need that many opportunities, especially five on three there. So we had some huge blocks in front tonight. Um, and, yeah, we needed to, to turn our, our PK around, and we did a great job against a good team tonight. With all the things that went right for this team tonight, what does that do for the psyche of the group? I mean, coming into a building like this against a team like that, um, being able to come out with a win is going to be huge for us moving forward. Uh, hopefully we can build off this and uh, continue the short trip the right way. I guess that's the important thing is to continue it and not that everything that you just sort of achieved. Yeah, yeah, we had a good you know, we had a good game, game one, and then let it get away from us. So we have to just continue to do the, the things that made us successful tonight, and we'll be good. Talbot beaten early at 7.33, didn't allow anything the rest of the way. 30 saves. Oilers take down Chicago 2-1 in overtime. We have Wayne on the line. Wayne, thanks a lot for calling. Hey, how's it going tonight? Good. What's on your mind? Uh, a couple things. I just thought uh, Nuge uh, played really good. And I just want to talk about uh, Lucic. Okay. Sure. About Milan Lucic? Yeah, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I thought I missed. I was in and out of the game in the first couple of periods. I couldn't watch it all. But when I saw him, he kind of got knocked down in front of the Oilers bench. And uh, he picked himself up angry. And he, I thought he was a force for the rest of the game. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, the one thing that we've seen about Milan Lucic, when he gets an anger on, he's a much more effective player. He, he he becomes harder on the puck. He comes harder on the forecheck. He, he it's almost like you, you you wake him up, and when you wake him up, you're in trouble. So, yeah, I, it was actually I was surprised he went down. It was a kid Murphy that I don't know if he's thrown a hit all season long, and he threw a number of them today, and, and went right after Lucic. So, uh, Lucic when he's at his best, he, he's he's angry and he's mean, and we saw parts of that tonight. Yeah, and I, and I thought that that line, especially in the third period, was was. A, and I don't know, like we talked about the, we didn't bring this up, Rob. It was a back to back for Chicago, and I think sometimes we overemphasize that because yes. these guys are in good shape, they're comfortable. But but I thought the Oilers were most threatening, and their forechecking was most effective in the last fifteen minutes of the game. You know, I wonder if if maybe just a little bit of that kicked in in the third period for Chicago. I I, don't, I mean I don't know because I thought the Oilers that's when they had their best forechecking. Now that could have been them really finding their pace too. That that I I mean back to backs aren't like they used to because a the the guys no, no, are in like be- you don't yeah. expect it to be a write off. Yeah. Like, no, yeah. the guys are in better shape nowadays, and I mean they're all 
charter flights and they get home at a respect, respectable hour. So that's not an issue. But, I mean, for a player like a Duncan Keith, he played almost 30 minutes tonight. I'm guessing he probably played upwards of 27, 28 minutes again, against, against St. Louis the night before. So players like that, there may be a little bit of fatigue thing. But I think f- mainly was the Oilers were in a game in the third period and they felt good and they started pushing. And and that's they got the the saves they needed. They got the push on the offensive end, and it was it was a good game. They felt when you when you have an opportunity to win on the road in a good team's barn, you have a little bit extra step late in a hockey game, and the Oilers did. Two one in overtime. You'll hear from the OT hero Mark Letestu, Jordan, and Sam are next up on the phone lines. Canadian Brewhouse overtime open line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 630 chair. Panic gives it to him. Taves shoots, and that was blocked. What a read by Clefbaum. In front. What a save, Talbot on Taves after a feed from Saad. Another huge stop, Cam Talbot. Slap. Good night for Cam Talbot. Heck, great night for Cam Talbot. He's the first star, 30 saves, leads the Oilers to a 2-1 overtime win in Chicago. Maroon and Latestu had the goals. McDavid, excellent again, two assists, a spectacular helper on the Maroon goal, spinning back to the net, behind the back pass. Maroon taps it in. That tied it. Latestu wins it on the power play in overtime. Dreisaitl, Kajula, and Benning. Didn't play. Jar Kara was a healthy scratch. Dreisaitl and Benning, uh, pretty optimistic. They'll return Saturday in Philadelphia, and Kajula could be back as well, which will make for some uh, difficult lineup decisions, I suppose, for the head coach. But that's usually not a bad thing. Oh, no, that's a good thing. Decisions. If yeah, if they, they've had difficult decisions here before in the dark days, where they tried to find 20 guys that they wanted in the lineup. Now they've got extras that are capable of playing, but guys are playing well in front of them. So two one, the Oilers take. Take it, 780-496-0063. I'm Reed Wilkins along with Rob Brown. We have Jordan on the line. Jordan, thanks for calling. Hey, guys. Yeah, just riffing on that quickly, uh, I have a comment about Nurse and then a couple questions for both of you. Um, you know, I feel like we're golden if we can have Nurse as our, you know, 5-slash-4-D and get him on another bridge. And I think the mark of any good contending hockey team is when you have players on every line and every position that – in a pinch or a good stretch of time if injuries or whatever occurs can play up um, in the line ahead of them. So so that's, that's great if we can hang on. It's not a problem if in a few years he's still on the third pair um, from my point of view. Um, and then the question for both of you is uh, as far as um, the roster, people who are on, on our team right now who weren't here in the spring, like who's impressed you the most so far and why? Um, or oh, good question. You know, who has the best chance of well, kind of being an impact player next spring and in the short term, uh, what do you do with Drake and Leon? Well, Yamamoto's probably impressed me the most, I guess. Uh, who are new Oilers that played tonight? Yamamoto, Strom, Ovidu. Jokinen, Ovitu. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yamamoto's the, the, the best by far. I mean, I think Malone is impressive simply because I didn't think we in would... In a different s- way. I yeah, mean, he, yeah. You know, he's a he's got a specific role. Yeah, but I, I didn't expect to see him with an Edmonton Oilers jersey on in the regular season when he was signed. So to have him up here and being effective and taking big face-offs at the right time, it, 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 it is. And I like this point, too, about Nurse and, and being a 4-5. or five and, and you're a good team if Darnell Nurse is in your third pair pairing of defense. You're a good hockey club with a strong back end. 
So I, there's nothing wrong with Darnell Nurse being in your third pairing this season. It means you're going to be a pretty good hockey club. Jordan, and I think if Dreisaitl plays Saturday, I, I think Packerinen comes out. If Kajula also comes in, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, really, I'm really not sure. I mean, I don't think Malone deserves to be pulled out. It's not always who deserves, no, true. unfortunately. But, unfortunately, yeah. But you're right. It, it's a it's a good yeah, it's, it's a good problem to have for well, for Todd McClellan. And and it also the fact that Malone played well enough tonight. If Kajula needs an extra couple of days, because missing the game on Saturday gives them another three days. Because Saturday Sunday might four days because they don't play till Tuesday. So whatever their health concerns are, maybe a couple extra days they bought because they won a game in Chicago and some of their depth players played better than they had been. Who would you take out, Jordan? Uh, it's a tough one. I think, you know, Kajula didn't have a great start to the season, so I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how these battles shake out for kind of the, the bottom nine, I guess, so to speak, right? Because you have yep. Slep, even like Kara looked good. I think even another chance he could stick around. And like Pacarinen, like he has that edge that, you know, he took that hit and was, was you know, still involved in the play. Um, but, you know, I don't know. It's, it's tough. I, I'm glad I don't make the call. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate it, Jordan. Thanks for calling. Thanks. 780-496-0063. Before we get to Sam on the open line, Mark Letestu banged home the game winner tonight. There's a lot of relief on your guys' faces. Just how good does it feel to get off the schneid and pick up a win? Yeah, and in a tough building against a good team. Uh, thought we played the whole game. Uh, pretty structured. We gave up our chances, but the goaltender was there. Guys made some big blocks. Uh, felt like more like ourselves. Uh, we got a result tonight, which is nice. What are the, the coaches always talk about process? Uh, what are the little things that happen that allow you to be in a game that maybe two weeks ago you weren't in anymore after the second period? Well, yeah, you know, we, we were tighter. You know, I don't think we gave up, you know, the huge break where the 2 on 1. I mean, they were there. Uh, but, you know, I think Russ had more puck marks on his jersey than the goalie tonight. Like, he was, he was blocking everything. Uh, guys were giving it up tonight. Uh, the penalty kill came up with some, some stops finally. Goaltender was solid for us, and our, our power play got us a big goal. Uh, things that's been a recipe for us, you know, in the past, that it's finally here now. That's Mark Letestu. Quick comments from him ca- talking to uh, Tom Gazzola from Oilers TV. Uh, as a team, the Oilers with 23 blocked shots tonight, uh, 12 blocked by the Chicago Blackhawks, and that's and that's another thing. You just notice the positioning and defensive commitment by the Oilers that was lacking in the last few games. Yeah. Yeah, there was better desperation in their game tonight. And I think that's the biggest thing that the Oilers didn't have in their their outside of the Calgary game. They didn't have the desperation. There was an expectant expectation that they were going to win hockey games, but they didn't play desperate. They didn't play hungry. Tonight they were were much better in that. And I love the the fact that Mark pointed out uh, Russell tonight. And it's true. Like every time Russell was on the ice, you talk, we could hear the announcers go, another block shot by Russell. He got in front of everything. So the, those are little things that help you win hockey games. And the others did more of those tonight than they had in the previous four. All right, we have Sam on line two. Sam, thanks for calling. Go ahead. Hey, thanks, guys. How are you, How are you doing tonight? Doing great. Good, good. I think it's a good game, and I think... You know, we have to, uh, I think uh, it's interesting when we go on the road, you know, and then you have a challenge against somebody you're not supposed to beat, but you're beating all the guys you're supposed to beat. You know, it's kind of when you watch, you get mad sometimes. But but uh, I think the defense is, the defenseman was good. Uh, nurse was good. Even Vito, uh, how you say, and, uh, you know, you don't notice him that much. That's a good thing for a defenseman. Even Graiba is not play good. Our defense getting better, but... 
You know who I think is uh, very good? He's the one of the best guys. You know, Mr. Rob Brown, you say sometimes about uh, Ryan Nugget Thompson. He's in face-off. Well, well, like I tell you, he was very good tonight. What do you think about him? Yeah, yeah, yeah the absolutely Nuge, so. Yeah, he had a strong game tonight, the Nuge. And this is a big, big season for Ryan Nugent Hopkins. He, I, I, I don't think he's happy with the way his year went last year. There's the expectations have been high for a number of years for him. And the Oilers would love for him to be able to take a line and run a line and, and, and be a productive line in both ends. You know, if, he, if you're going to be a good defensive centerman as, he, as he's becoming, but you don't give up too much of your offense, you still got to be able to create in the offensive zone. And he looks this year as though he, this might be the year he breaks through. And it'd be very important and very uh, beneficial for the Oilers if the Ryan Nugent Hopkins lived up to what many had expected him to be and he was good tonight and the biggest thing for him for me is 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 face-offs because if you're getting beat consistently on the face-off every shift starts with you in a down mood yep. like so now if tonight he's winning he's winning important ones and being put out to take face-offs in important situations. So uh, that was key, and he was a key player in tonight's victory. Oilers take it 2-1 in overtime. We have Robert on line three. Hey, Robert. Hey, Reed. Hey, Rob. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing well. Yeah, well I, have a, I have a couple thoughts tonight. My first one on Talbot. I thought Talbot had a bounce-back game, and I think part of that was, you know, that he had the previous game off, so kind of gave him a chance, you know, reset and refocus and, Know, uh, and, uh, and regather himself. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I, I, it could be a very good point. Um, I, I don't think he was tired. I think he might have been uh, mentally fatigued just from the the way that the season had started for him. I think expectations coming off of last year that things were going to go just as well as they did last year. And when they don't start out well, uh, you, you know, you, maybe your confidence lags a bit. You don't understand. You're frustrated. So sitting there for a game and watching and you get to reset yourself and come back in and, and do what you've done so many times before and, and it worked for him. So hopefully this will be the start of a nice little run for, for Cam Talbot. Yeah, now my, now my other thought tonight obviously is on the, uh, on the, uh, the special teams. I mean, obviously the, the penalty kill tonight is very good, five for five. No, pulls off a five on three, and then obviously the power play. You know, a, a, a vintage of Mark Lachesu from his uh, from his favorite spot, the uh, one timer off the one the one touch pass from Buffalo. Finally, uh, finally gets the Oilers a big win, and hopefully they can get rolling here. Well, yeah, thanks, Robert. And then that you're right. I mean, Lachesu had a four on three overtime winner against New Jersey last year. Same play. I mean, actually, that one in New Jersey. Remember, Clefbaum passed it to him. And Latestu looked like he was going to shoot it, and he stopped it and passed it back to Clefbaum. Was like, no, 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 wasn't wasn't quite where yeah. I wanted it, and then and then fired it in. And you know the the little things that make a difference. And for, and Anton Forsberg had a good game for Chicago, but Rob, you made the point that he didn't quite cover that short side as well as maybe you know a number one goalie would, and he also could have made a better play to clear the puck about 20 seconds prior. Yeah, he, he went behind the net and he stopped the puck. And, and it was weird. And, and, and it's really hard when a goalie has the puck, you don't know where to go. Do you go after him? you cover the boards? Especially when there's only four of you out there. And all the Oilers scattered. And they all went to the boards to protect the boards. And he could have just passed it to Keith 
and or Seabrook, who were both standing beside him, they would have took the puck, shot it down the middle, and probably would have killed the rest of the, the overtime period because there's only 25, 30 seconds left when all this happened. But instead, he and Bob and Jack talked, but he likes to play the puck, and he rimmed it around. And a great job by, by Ryan Nugent Hopkins, another good play by him tonight, of getting to the boards and keeping the puck in. And then they kept it in, and now they got a tired threesome killing the penalty in the Blackhawks, and they moved the puck around, and they were able to get the puck through the through the seams, through the slot, which wasn't covered as well because the players were tired and allowed the, the shot for Letestu. So he was very good, Forsberg, but he made a mistake clearing the puck, and it came back to haunt him. All right. Also, Kyler Yamamoto gets an assist for the third straight game. Here he is. So I've been trying to shoot more, but, you know, I'm still going to pass if they're open, but, you know, I'm starting to look for the shots more. What's getting easier for you out there, do you think? Um, I think I'm just getting more comfortable. Um, you know, playing with Connor and Marin, um, they settle me down a lot, so I think um, me just getting more comfortable. Um, you know, I'm starting to get used to the pace a lot more, so um, it's been going pretty good so far. Connor says you're the kind of guy that when you get one, you're going to get a bunch. <laughs> do you feel that too? Um you know, when the time comes, um, you know, hopefully hopefully that is. But, um, you know, hopefully when I do score, um, you know, they'll start coming a lot more. Kyler, team-wise, just, uh, how much of a relief is it to get a win and to do it against the team like the Hawks in this building? It's huge. Um, being able to get a win against uh, the Hawks, it's always it's always a plus. And, um, you know, being able to uh, second win in the NHL for me, um, you know, it's a, it's a great feeling. That is Kyler Yamamoto, helps the Oilers beat Chicago 2-1 in overtime. Hey, you want to listen to the audio highlights? We got Jack Michaels' calls on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. So our next Oilers broadcast, Saturday, it's an early one, 9.30 in the morning for the face-off show. The game at Philadelphia will start at 11. And then Saturday evening, 6 o'clock countdown to kickoff, 8 o'clock actual kickoff. Edmonton Eskimos visiting the BC Lions. going to be a fun day of sports on 6.30 Chet. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer this evening. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. You've been listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Oilers snap the losing streak. Thanks a lot for tuning in.